0: Amen. Check it out. One day there's this guy named Joe. Not you, Joe, right? Yeah, hopefully it's a different Joe. And uh, he shows up for late uh, for work this day. And, and it was already the third time that week, okay? And so his boss asked him sarcastically, Okay, Joe, come on. He said, What's the story this time? And it better be it a, a good excuse, too. And said, Joe, he sighs. And he goes, Yeah, yeah, it is, boss. I'm telling you, man. Everything that went wrong today, could have went wrong, went wrong today. And, and you see, here's what happened. You see, my wife decided... At the last minute that she wanted the car. So she got ready in 10 minutes in order to drive me to the station. But on the way to the station, the drawbridge went up and then got stuck. And so I didn't want to let you down, boss. So I jumped in and I swam across the river. See, my suit is still damp here. Okay. Well, I got to shore and I managed to catch this cab out to the airport where I was able to charter a helicopter from Donald Trump. Uh, But the only place they could land was on top of Radio City Music Hall. And after I told the story of being late for work to a couple of the rockettes, uh, they felt sorry for me, so they carried me the rest of the way to work on piggyback. And so Joe, his bossy friend, says, "Come on, Joe, you really expect me to believe that? You and I both know there's not a woman on the planet that can get ready in ten minutes." <laughs> yes, you sort of were paying attention. All right, now, really, it was Bill Wimberly, and he's in big trouble with Diane. And that's why he was stumbling earlier. But seriously, folks, how many guys would say that Joe or Bill, whoever that was, uh, they, they, they came up with a serious, lame excuse for the behavior? You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you're going to come up with an excuse, at least make it a halfway believable one, right? Okay? But folks, believe it or not, did you know that Bill or Joe or whoever that was, uh, did you know they're not the only ones coming up with some pretty lame excuses for the behavior? Okay? Believe it or not, I've noticed how many Christians are doing the same thing. Okay, and here's, here's what we do. We go around saying, oh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Woo-hoo! But in reality, we walk around acting like it's horrible to spend time with Jesus. Now that is unbelievable. Okay, and so again, this is the obvious question. Okay, how in the world did it get this way? How in the world as a Christian did it become horrible to spend time with God? You know, the creator of the universe. And you put it in its context. I mean, it didn't start off this way, did it? I would hope not. I mean, when we first got saved, we couldn't wait to spend time with God. We longed for God. We loved God. And so that's the issue. How in the world did it get this way? Well, folks, what we've been seeing in our study is, folks, what I've learned over the years is simply this. When we lose sight of what we really have in Jesus Christ, what he really died on the cross for, it wasn't some dry, stale, goofy religion. He died for a beautiful, loving, personal, intimate relationship with the great of the universe. Isn't that awesome? That's what he died on the cross for. And I'm telling you folks, even as Christians, once we lose sight of that, just like that, overnight, it doesn't take long, instantaneous, all of a sudden, that once vibrant walk in Jesus Christ just turned into that dry, stale, boring, man-made religion called churchianity. Have you heard that thing? Have you seen that thing? It's horrible folks. We've been seeing it's a wretched disease that unfortunately is rampant in the American church. Therefore, to stave off this wretched disease, churchianity, here at Sunrise, we're going to continue in our study, that's right, renew your faith. Turn to somebody and say, Hey, it's time to renew your faith. Okay. Time to renew your faith. And what we're doing is taking a look at the so-called basics of Christianity. Okay. And what we're doing is this time we're looking at it through the renewed set of eyes. Okay. The eyes of a relationship, a personal, loving, intimate relationship with the creator of the universe, because that's what it's supposed to be. Right. And so far we've seen that first thing we need to get reacquainted with through a new set of eyes. Okay. Is a renewed uh, prayer life. Is what we saw there. The, the second one we saw was a renewed worship life. okay. And then last time we began. The third one was a renewed service. okay. And what we saw and all we had time to deal with. Was the reason why we serve Jesus. And what we saw there is pretty common sense folks. The reason why we serve Jesus. Is because hello he died for us. The scripture is clear. He gave his life as a ransom for us. Listen, he gave his life to rescue us from eternal damnation and hell as a pure, wonderful, merciful gift from him. Right? That's what he's done. And so just like in a normal relationship, when somebody rescues you from a horrible situation, what's the normal logical response? You won't, you, you, because you have to? No, you want to serve them. Can I do something for you? Anything? Folks, that's what serving is. That's all it is. Nothing more, nothing less. We're just grateful for what he's done for us, okay? The second basic question, though, we need to ask ourselves is this. All right, then what is serving? All right, let's break it down a little bit more. We saw why, because, hello, he died for us. That's common sense. But what is it exactly? Well, folks, believe it again, I don't think it's that hard to understand if We're not suffering from churchianity. Again, if you look at it through the eyes of a relationship, common sense. It's not complicated. We're the ones that make it complicated, okay? First of all, the word serving, okay, the word serving comes from the Greek word diakonos. Let's say that. Diakonos, Diakonos, you Greek scholars. Tap yourself on the back. Okay, diakonos, and that's where we get the word deacon from, okay? And what that word literally means in the Greek there is to serve, to minister unto, literally, here's what it means. Uh, 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 one who waits at a table offering food and drink. Okay, so when we see deacon or servant in the scripture, literally the mindset needs to go to a waiter. Okay, at a restaurant. Okay, anybody have good waiters and not so good waiters? All right, apply it to ourselves. How are we when it comes to serving Jesus? All right. And if you want a good waiter, then that's one that says, yes, sir. How high, sir. Would you like some more pepper on that, sir? What you know, right? And when Jesus tells us to do something for him, that should be our attitude, right? That's what the word means. It's awesome. Now to put it in even uh, hopefully simpler terms, the Chrome translation in the context of a relationship in our study, let me break it down for you. Serving in the Christian context is simply, listen, here's what it is. Serving other people out of love for what Jesus has served unto us. Okay, What is serving? Serving is serving other people out of love for what Jesus has served unto us. Okay, And one of the ways the Bible says that we express this grateful, thankful attitude for what Jesus has served to us. Oh, by the way, again, He served us something much better than just a house or a car. He gave us eternal life. So the, one of the ways that we express this Gratefulness for what he served to us is to get busy sharing that same kind of loving service to other people. And specifically other people in his name. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to his. Okay, open your Bibles to Matthew 25. Jesus tells his folks, serving is not optional. Okay, it's a normal Latin logical response. But folks, uh, flip it around. He says in this passage, if you don't serve, on the one breath you say, oh, I belong to Jesus, but you don't serve... That's not good. Okay, let's take a look. Matthew 25. Okay, and uh, let's take a look there starting in verse 35. And it's the parable of the sheep and the goats this is the context here. Okay, and as you turn there, Matthew 25, the context uh, is Matthew 24. Okay, Matthew 24 is we dealt with in our final countdown study uh, repeatedly is all the signs that Jesus gave us to let us know when he's coming back when it's getting close. Then he starts busting into some parables because it's like, okay, so here's some signs to indicate we don't know the exact day nor the hour, but here's some signs to indicate when it's getting close. And so Matthew 25, he gives three parables. I'm explaining the context. Three parables to explain the proper attitude you should have because he could show up at any time. And he goes into the, the foolish and the wise virgins, okay, as you can see there, and who were watchful, the wise ones. Then he goes into the parable of the talents, okay, who were doing something for Jesus. And then he goes into the sheep and the goats, who's real and who's not. And how do you tell the difference? That's the context of what's going on. Okay, let's take a look at that text. Uh, verse uh, 35 uh, says this, Jesus says for, uh, uh, he says, for I was hungry, and you what? You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you what? You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you what? You invited me in. I needed clothes and you what? Clothed me. Uh, I was sick and you what? You looked after me. I was in prison and you what? Came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, uh, when did we see you hungry and feed you or... Uh, thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and go visit you? Now, how many of you guys as a born-again Christian have actually seen face-to-face Jesus Christ himself? Please don't raise your hand. Okay, good. And so that's the con. They're going like, what? What are you talking about? We were doing this to you. I mean, we, we haven't seen you. I haven't seen you yet. I mean, we will see him. Praise God when we get to heaven. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. But right now, we don't. So what are you talking about that we, we took care of you? Well, here's what he says. He says this uh, in, in the verse there. He said that the king will reply, I'll tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you were really doing it for who? For me. for me, for Jesus. That's the good news. Here's the bad news. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devils and angels. Now, how many guys, even if you're not a biblical scholar, can figure out that he's talking about hell? yeah. Okay, that's pretty obvious. Okay, for here's the acid test. For I was hungry and you what? You gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me what? Nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you what? You didn't invite me in. I needed some clothes and you what? You did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you what? You didn't look after me. And they're going to say the same thing. I haven't seen you face to face, Jesus. What are you talking about? They'll also answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and and did not come to help you? He said, I will tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. So guess what? You were fake. You were phony. You can fool man. You can fool the preacher. You can fool the church. But you can't fool God. Therefore, they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Okay, pretty intense passage, folks. But again, what's the context here? It's about serving. And Jesus said, the good news is this. When we're busy serving others, okay, even though we don't see him currently now, in reality, out of love and gratefulness for what Jesus has done to us, in reality, who are we really serving? Right? It's to other people, but it's unto him. That's the good news, okay? That's how we serve Jesus, by serving other people. Now, flip it around. He says, apparently, this business of serving is no small matter. Right? I'm not saying, he said this, right? He said those who refuse, they do nothing. They're not headed to heaven. Where are they headed? Hell, because they were a Christian and they lost their salvation. No, you can't. That can't happen. Bingo. They were never a Christian in the first place. And what was the acid test? They didn't do nothing. They could give a rip about doing anything in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's common sense. Again, as we saw last week, what is the normal, logical, grateful response for the true born again Christian in response to what Jesus has done for us? Anything. Can I do something? Wash a car? whatever, something, to shine your shoes. I I, I want to do something. I want to do anything that I can in response to what you've done for me, right? So again, he flips around and says, well, okay, just as true on the opposite end. If you're out there saying on the one breath, oh, I'm a born-again Christian, I love Jesus, but you don't want to do anything for him. Maybe it's because you really don't love him. And maybe the reason why you don't love him is because you really don't belong to him. And it's all centered around what you do and what you don't do. And again, folks, again, we're not saved by our works. The Scripture is very clear about that. That would make a mockery of the cross of Christ. It's His work, not our own. But Jesus is saying, listen, we can't earn our way to heaven, but if you're really grateful for what He's done, the normal logical response is you do something, not nothing. Okay, is the context. Now, that's kind of the, the creepy thing is, okay, but again, what's amazing about our text is Jesus not only says, that's what we're doing when we serve other people. What is serving? It's serving other people out of love for what Jesus has done to us, right? But he also says in this text, it's amazing, it should be encouraging to us, okay, is he lets us know that anybody can serve the Lord. Did you know that? Did you know you didn't need to go to seminary to serve Jesus, I'll ask that again. Did you know you didn't have to go to seminary to serve Jesus? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so you could save a whole lot of cash, trust you me. Okay. But anyway, so <laughs> did you know you didn't have to take a 19-week course on how to serve in the church? That's right. Praise God. You don't have to do that either. Okay. Even though Tom's nifty three-week class is awesome, right, Tom? But anyway, that's right. Uh, no, did you not? He, he, listen, he gives us examples that, listen, we can all do. If you were paying to our context in this passage here, based on the examples that Jesus gave in the text, I'm going to share some great news for you. Pay attention, Christian. How many of you guys? Listen, I'm telling you, you don't even have to get a video. You don't have to go to conference, nothing. But how many of you guys can get a cup of cold water? Turn to somebody and say, you got the gift. <laughs> Hello, right? Notice the examples that he's given in this text there, okay? Uh, another one where he said, hey, how many guys? And you might even experiment here in a little bit at the potluck. How many guys can give somebody a piece of food? Raise your hand. Oh, man, you're a servant of God. Isn't that awesome? Woo! Hey, hey, let's do one more. How many guys? How many guys can hand out some clothes? Three for three, what a day! Woo, it's awesome. You didn't have to go to seminary. You didn't have to take a class. Read a book, nothing. Woo! Right? That's what he's saying here. And isn't that what we do in the church? Oh, I can't serve because I'm just a brand new Christian, or I haven't been to seminary, or I got to take a class. Oh, hello. Let's all experiment. Let's see if we can serve. Let's do the test. Try. it. Move your hand. Oh, Look at these servants, in action. Water, food, clothes. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Look. In stereo. Isn't that wild? You got the gift. It's amazing. All right? It's not complicated to serve, is it? We make it complicated, okay? You don't, this is awesome. You don't have to be incredibly talented or one of those super-duper spiritual Christians in order to serve Jesus out of gratefulness for what he's done for us. He picked something that anybody can do. Just move your arm. Just pass out some water, some clothes, some food. And here's the point. Surely that's what we're doing, right? Yeah, I hope so. Okay. Uh, uh, I mean, he gave us examples that we can all do. And so that's what we're doing. We're true born again Christians. We're demonstrating that reality. And so so we're grateful for what he's done. And any opportunity that we get an opportunity to serve other people in his name, we're jumping at it. We're doing it. We're signing up. Mm -hmm. Wrong answer. Now see, that that game show buzzer that I'm making up doesn't get the effect for you. So let me try that again. I mean, surely we're demonstrating that we're true born again Christians. We're truly grateful for what he's done for us. And any chance we get to serve him, uh, we're doing it and we're signing up and we're (laughs) on... Wrong answer. Okay, now is that more effective for you? Yeah, I wish that were the case. But as you can tell by the exciting buzzer, uh, no, it's not. (laughs) Folks, let's be honest. When it comes to serving in the church, okay, what's kind of our attitude when we're asked to serve? It's I'm too busy. We we don't jump at the chance. It's not something joyful to do. It's like dreadful to do. And folks, I'm telling you, this is a side effect of churchianity. You got the disease. Time to scrape it off, do something, okay? And what I've noticed is this first side effect, it produces uh, two things. When you got that attitude, you think that it's a drudgery to serve God? Okay, it's a side effect. And what we do is we hide behind our words to hide our laziness, because that's really what's going on. We're just being lazy, okay? And, and the reason why is, I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but we live in one of the most laziest cultures in the history of mankind. Have you noticed that? We call it convenience, but I think a lot of it's laziness, Okay, And uh, we don't want to do any work. In fact, we've become so lazy. I don't know if you've noticed this. We've become so lazy that we would rather pop a pill to do the work for us than change our behavior. Have you noticed that? Just give me the easiest, quickest, laziest method as possible. Okay, But I don't know if you guys know this, but did you know that just popping a pill, that doesn't always fix things. In fact, sometimes it makes it even worse. Like this guy brings out. Let's take a look at this.
1: Y'all ever seen these commercials for these pills, this medication you take? It's like one pill for one thing, but they list like a hundred side effects. It's just like they're just scrolling for a minute, and you're thinking, is that really a good trade? That can't be a good trade. You got people going, well, I can take the headaches, nausea, and vomiting to make my elbow feel better. It's really worth it it is. I mean I've been taking it
0: Oh, oh,
1: oh! I can move it around play with the kids and I, I got full range of motion here.
0: The reason why that's funny is because what? It is so true. I kid you not, I couldn't find it, and I've looked before, but I actually saw a commercial. I'm not joking. I think Brandy was there that one time. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Okay? It was a medication that you take. They, they, they find any little small thing, and they turn it into, you've got to get medicated for it, but whatever. And it was a deal that if you had gout on your toe, okay, which can be a serious thing, okay? But you know what one of the side effects was? It can cause gout. <laughs> it's like, come on! Are you for real? It's just crazy, okay? And then, they, of course, they say all these side effects while the people are walking around looking happy. It's like, don't watch the people listen, okay? But anyway, so, but the point is, the reason why that's funny is because it's so true, okay? I got rid of my headache, but now I got 55,000 other problems, okay, that I didn't sign up for, okay? Here's the whole point. It's it's our culture. This is the way they've conditioned us, okay? Just pop a pill. I'm glad I didn't have to do one thing. I didn't have to lift a finger, do nothing, so I can keep on being lazy. Now, here's the problem. Uh, That's not only in our world, You know where I've noticed it come into? The church. That's right, Sandra, you're on the ball of church. It's coming to the church, folks. Only here's what we do, because we're supposed to be Christians and we're supposed to be spiritual. We hide behind our words to excuse away our laziness. And here's what we do. We speak this secret language called Christianese. Have you heard that? Yes, it's our own language, right? And uh, here's, here's what we do. Uh, for instance, let me give you a couple of examples. For instance, if somebody were to come to your church visiting or something, and you say, hey, hey, man, at my church, the, the worship music is awesome. Now, what you really just told that person was the preaching stinks. Okay, because you don't mention both. Or you flip it around and you say, hey, man, in my church, the preaching's great. And what'd you just say? Well, the worship stinks. Uh, you don't mention them both. We've got, the, we got this secret language going on You know, We've got this secret code, right? And, and again, and here's the point. See, when it comes to excusing our laziness away as Christians, we use the code because we, we, we can't use the same lame excuses the world comes up with, right? That's too obvious. We're supposed to be spiritual. We can't say like the world when they're asked to help out. We can't say something like this. Well, hey, I'd love to, but I, I, I want to spend more time with my blender, You know, that's not spiritual, right? Or we'd say, hey, I'd love to, but the man on television told me to stay tuned. Right? Or, you know, I'd love to, but you know what? I did my own thing. Now I've got to undo it. Right? Or my old-time favorite, hey, I'd love to, but you know what? I'm attending the opening of my garage door. You know? See, that's the world. We can't do that. We're Christians, right? We're supposed to be spiritual. And so here's what we do. We flip out the Christianese, okay? And so when somebody in the church comes up, hey, can you help serve with this or help out with this or that or whatever... We do this. You know what? I need to pray about it. Really. Now I'm going to do it again because I did it last week. How much prayer did it take to do that? All right. Let's, let's practice in stereo. Stack a chair. You really need to pray to stack a chair. Come on, man. You're hiding behind Christianese. Make it sound spiritual. Right? Another one we say is this. We simply go like this. We say, you know what? I'd love to, but uh, I just don't don't know what my gift is. Okay, wait a second. First of all, you've been saved for 9,323 years, but you don't know what your gift is? (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. There is an exploratory process with gifts, and you need to understand that sometimes they're self-evident, and, you know, sometimes you just don't know right away. But can I encourage you to do something? Get involved. Your greatest ability is your availability, okay, is what's going on there. But if you don't make yourself available, how are you ever going to find out? So I'm not discounting that. There is maybe a little bit of legitimacy, but we go way beyond that. And that becomes the excuse for 9,323 years. Really? Let's go back to that exciting illustration again. Maybe you do have the gift of teaching and you don't know yet. Did I have to know the gift of teaching To unstuck a chair? (laughs) What were the examples that Jesus gave us? Cup of cold water, food, clothes. You don't need to know what your giftedness is to help out with that. Right? And again, you need to understand what your gift is. If you don't know, please pray. But can I tell you something? Get involved and you'll find out. Because if anybody wants you to know what your gift is, don't you think it's God? Hello. Okay, get involved is how you discover that. But again, we go beyond that. And we use that as an excuse to not get involved. I don't know what my gift is. You don't need a gift to stack a chair. You don't need a gift to fold a bulletin. You don't need a gift to come out and hang out at the workday. Okay, God knows it and he sees it. And that's the issue, isn't it? As if he doesn't know what we're doing. We hide behind our Christian ease to excuse away our laziness. Now, that might be a tough cookie to swallow. But once we admit it, church. Hey, we're finally into a position to get rid of that churchianity stuff. Amen. And get back to being a relationship. Right. Now, the second thing, we go to the other end of the spectrum. The second horrible side effect is we have this idea that God can't use us. <laughs> right? He just can't use us. And this is what I've also noticed in the church, okay? Because now you go to the other end of the spectrum, you're not being lazy. You want to be used of God. You really want to do something truly significant for Him out of all that He's done for us. Okay, but for some reason we go to the other extreme and we think that God can't use us. Listen, Christian, because somehow, somewhere or another, either before we got saved or after we got saved, we blew it and God can't use us anymore. Are you kidding me? Read the Bible. This is a, 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 a phenomenal, amazing truth in the scripture. Did you realize that God, not just one time, Old Testament, New Testament, God has always used messed up people for his glory. Right. Did you know that? Turn to somebody and say, man, you're messed up. <laughs> huh? But God can still use you. Right. All right? In fact, if you look at the folks, I'm telling you, listen, if you don't believe me, do the research. Let's take a look at some of the heroes of the faith. And you tell me how perfect they were before God could use them. Let's take a look. Think God
1: can't use you? Think he only uses perfectly qualified people? Take a closer look. Moses was not a great speaker. Jonah ran from God, Jacob was a liar, Noah got drunk, Rahab was a prostitute, David had an affair, Jeremiah was depressed, a lot, Solomon was rich in wisdom, but poor in lifestyle, John the Baptist was just plain poor. Timothy was too young, Abraham was too old, Lazarus was dead, Sarah was barren, Naomi was a widow, Gideon and Thomas both doubted, and so did Sarah, Peter lacked self-control, James and John were self-righteous, Paul had a short fuse, Well, so did Peter and Moses. Actually, lots of people did. God's army isn't perfect. It never has been. It's the march of the unqualified. Get in line.
0: Turn to somebody and say, get in line. Yeah. And I'm not talking just the potluck. I'm talking about get busy serving. Folks, I'm telling you, I've seen this in the church too because I know there's Christians out there who are being duped by the evil one. Thinking that somehow you do want to serve Jesus. You aren't being lazy. You are grateful for what He's done for you. But the evil one's got you so wrapped up in the thinking that somehow you have to be perfect or become perfect before you can serve God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Read the scripture. If God can use a murderer, a liar, an adulterer, a thief, praise God, He can use you and me. Woo, right? That's good news, okay? And so the important thing is when we serve Jesus, not if, when. We do it out of love. We do it out of gratefulness. We do it out of thankfulness for all that he's done. That's what serving is. Nothing more, nothing less. And when we remember that, you get rid of that churchy stuff. Amen? All right, the third and final thing that we're going to take a look at serving is we've seen why, because, hello, he died for us. We've seen what it is we're doing out of love and gratefulness for what he's done for us okay, to other people in his name. The third one is, well, how do we do it? Let's break it down. Let's be a bunch of, let's do a guy thing. Let's break this thing down, right? And I think, once again, Paul tells us the common theme. If you catch the theme of why we do what we do in serving Jesus, it's common sense, okay? And he tells us, once again, what that theme is. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 through 15. He says this, for why do we do it? Christ's love, what? Compels us. Okay, it compels us. Why? Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he, Jesus, died for all that those who live should no longer live for who? It's not about you anymore. It's about him for themselves, but for him who died uh, for them and who was raised again. Amen. Amen. Okay, And so what Paul says is, again, not only he reiterates that as Christians we should be living for Jesus, but once again he tells us the common thread of why we should be serving Jesus. What's the the answer? It's Christ's love that compels us. We love because he first loved us. And Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commands. And one of the commands is to get busy serving and be like him, the ultimate servant, right? And so it's Christ's love that compels us, okay? And again, once you look at this through the eyes of a normal relationship, you don't even have to memorize my sermon. Praise God! Yay. You should be excited about that one, let alone having to go to seminary. <laughs> you don't even have to memorize the sermon. Just keep the context of relationship in mind. All right? And we're going to take a look at once again at how we're supposed to do it by first looking at how we are not supposed to do it. Okay, And the first way we do not serve God is with this attitude of timelessness. Okay, And therefore, to help us out to catch this aspect of a relationship with God and why we shouldn't do that, uh, we're going to look at it through the another personal relationship with the help of Robert and Carly. Come on down. Come on down, guys. All right. And uh, what we're going to do here is get these guys set up with some microphone. And, uh, and uh, by the way, uh, no pressure on those of you guys who are dating, but... Uh, Last week, Robert and Carly got engaged, so hey, you get engaged, we're going to put you to work, you know what I'm saying, sunrise, so but anyway, that's right, so you guys each get your microphone, if you guys want to go ahead and test them, make sure that uh, we got some noise for you.
2: Hello. 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 So
0: we got Hello. a couple of hellos, that's good. Hi. This right, what we're going to do. Robert and Carly are going to uh, do a little illustration for us here, and what we're going to do is Robert, first of all, here, he's going to be asked to serve his fiancée. That sounds good, doesn't it? Fiance, yeah, that really a little French word there. Cool. Now say, right? Uh, fiance, Carly. But he's going to do it with this attitude of timelessness. And you tell me how well it goes over uh, with Carly. Let's take a look.
3: Hey, Robert. I was wondering if you could help me with my car. I just pulled in the driveway, and I think my transmission went out. Um, and I have to go to work today. I'm not sure I'm gonna be able to make it, and I might get fired. Do you think you can help me?
2: Uh, honey, you know I'd love to, but I don't really have the time. Yep. Really?
3: Well, what are you doing right now?
2: Well, I'm watching the Lakers game, and you see, last week they won game numero uno. This week, I hope they can win game number two.
3: Really? That's so important. Thanks a lot, (laughs) fiancé. Round two. Hey, Robert. I was wondering if you could help me with my car. I just pulled into the driveway, and my transmission went out, I'm pretty sure. If I don't get it fixed right away, I'm not going to be able to make it to work, and I might lose my job. And I just, can you please come look at it for me?
2: Wow. You know, I'd love to, honey, but I can't. I don't really have time.
3: What are you doing right now? What are you doing?
2: Well, nothing really. But tell you what, January is coming up, and... <laughs> So here's what I'm going to do. This is for you, especially for you. I'm making make a New Year's revolution, re- reservation, whatever you call that. And I'm going to make it so that I can start helping you out more. Isn't that awesome?
3: Well, yeah, that's real great. Um, how's that going to help me now? I have to go to work. I need my car fixed now, not in January. Okay? This is serious. Like, I might lose my job. Thanks a lot, Beyonce.
0: Ooh, round three. Whoops.
3: Hey, Robert. I was wondering if you'd help me with my car. I just pulled into the driveway, and you see, I think my transmission went out, and that's just terrible. Um, I had to go to work, and if I don't get it fixed now, I might be late and lose my job. Can you help me?
2: You know I'd love to, honey, but I just don't have the time, and besides... Am I the only fiance around? I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of other fiances in this neighborhood who, than me. You know, can't you get one of them to help you out?
3: Really? I'm getting ready to marry you, not anyone else. I'm getting married to you, and you're my fiance, and you want some other fiance to help me with my car? Are you serious? Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah, give get over Robert and Carly. Wow. How many guys would say that Robert's in big trouble? Wow. He can't help his fiance, but he can watch TV. He makes a pledge to help out in the future, and he passes the buck off into some other guy. Nice fiance, right? Ooh, we're going to have some long counseling going on. Uh, but uh, anyway, but here's the point folks I, hopefully you know where I'm going with this uh, what do we think we're doing when we do that to God as Christians we would rather watch TV than serve him we do this every year oh I can't serve him now but uh, January's coming and that new year's resolution I'll become a better servant then or we pass the buck off on to some other Christian well somebody else will do it in the church somebody else will show up Nice fiance, huh? But that's not all. How about uh, this one? The second way we don't serve God is an attitude of selfishness. That's right. Hey, what if Robert were to react like this when he was given another chance to serve his fiance, Carly? Let's take a look.
3: Hey, Roberts. You know, I was wondering if you'd help me with my car. I just pulled into the driveway, and I'm pretty sure the transmission went out. And, you know, I have to go to work, and I need it fixed right away. If I don't get to work in time, I might lose my job. Can you come look at it for me?
2: Man. No, honey, I'd love to, but I've got other more important things that I need to do.
3: Oh, really? Like... What could that be?
2: Well, the guys were wanting to go and check out this new sports center that just opened up. And then after that, we're going to go to Carl's Jr. and going to have a cheeseburger eating contest and, you know, dude stuff. Really? Important. My
3: car is broken down? I might lose my job and you're more concerned about sports and stuffing your face? Thanks a lot, fiance.
0: Ooh, round two.
3: Hey, Robert. I was wondering if you help me with my car. I just pulled into the driveway, and I'm pretty sure my transmission went out. I, I mean, I have to go to work, and I might lose my job. If I don't get there in time, it doesn't get fixed. Can you come look at it for me?
2: You know, I would love to so much, but I can't, honey. I'm sorry. I just I don't think I can help you anymore.
3: Say what? You, you can't help me anymore?
2: Well, you see, I've been helping you for so many years now. And I think it's high time I take a break. I mean, seriously, how much work can one person do? I've put in my time. No thanks. I'm done.
3: Oh, really? I have been here every day taking care of your needs, and you're going to quit on me? Whatever happened till death do us part? Thanks a lot, fiancé. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah. Man. How many guys gonna start a serious deep intercession prayer for Robert? Yeah. Okay, I think you're out there, I think it's pretty obvious, okay. Man, he's digging himself a hole. I mean, so he can't help his fiance, but he can go to a new sports center just like that. Stuff his face, have fun. And, or he just flat out refuses to help saying, Hey, listen, I already punched in my time clock, I've already done enough, huh? Guess where I'm going now. Folks, why do we do that to God? We got a relationship with him too, right? We will bust open our calendars for any exciting event. Oh yeah, I'll cancel this just to be there. But we can't open our calendar up for God? Or or we do this, I've noticed this in the church. We serve God faithfully up until a certain age. And then this Americana thing takes over. Well, I've retired now. Show me the verse. Show me the verse that says we stop serving Jesus before we get to heaven. That's an Americana thing. That's not in the scripture. Okay? But that's right. One more thing to go. Uh, The third way we don't serve God is an attitude of (laughs) defeatedness. Alright? What if Robert now were to act like this uh, when given another opportunity to serve his uh, fiancee, and Carly? Let's take a look.
3: Hey, Robert. I was wondering if you'd help me with my car. I just pulled into the driveway and you see I think... My transmission went out, I'm pretty sure. If I'm going get fixed right away, then I'm going to be late to work. If I'm late to work, I might lose my job. And I, I just need you to come look at my car, please.
2: Man, you know, honey, I'd love to, but, but I just don't think I can help you anymore.
3: Nope. Really? Nope. Well, why not?
2: Well, you see, my feelings got hurt. Really bad. I mean, last time I helped you, you didn't even tell me how wonderful a fiance I was. And that I was the best thing that ever happened to you. And so then, to top it off, the guy down the street criticized the quality of my work. And, uh, and so I just don't want to go through this pain anymore. It's, it's unbearable. Can't, can't do it. Really? Unbearable?
3: I have to give you a kudos every time you help me out and lay it on super thick. Otherwise, you won't help me out. And then if someone down the street has something to say, and, but he has nothing to do with us? He makes a comment that you don't like and you're going to quit on me? What does that have to do with me? Come on, what's that got to do with my car? And I need it fixed right now. Thanks a lot, future husband.
0: Woo, get up for the Robert and Carly show. Thank you, guys. Awesome. All right, Carly, don't give up on Robert. It was just an illustration, you know. All right, ever. But we are here to help you out. Uh, just go to Orson. Okay, anyway. so but anyway, that's right. <laughs> He'll take care of it. He's a servant. <laughs> Robert's dead meat, man. Yeah. He can't help his fiance because she didn't give him 55 million kudos or somebody else criticized his work, so I quit. I can't take the pay. One last time, folks. What do we think when we're doing that to God? We serve in the church. But because somebody didn't give us 55 million kudos or slap us on the back hundred times or make a big giant announcement about it, I quit. Who are we supposed to be serving? God. God. Regardless of what other people say or do. And that's the other thing, too. Because uh, sometimes this does happen in the church. You're busy serving, but somebody criticizes your work. So I quit. I can't. Do... I don't know if you've learned this one or not. But folks, when you fall head over heels in love with Jesus Christ, You get to the point, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. You are not going to stop me from serving the one I love. And that's the mentality that we need to get back in the church. It all makes common sense, folks, what serving is when you just get back to the eyes of a relationship, doesn't it? Common sense, okay? And I'm telling you, folks, once we get there, it's like all of a sudden, just overnight, it's like we got a new pair of glasses on. And now, everything's renewed. Like when we first got saved. And I think that's what we need in the church. We need to get a new set of glasses on, like this guy, and get back on track. We'll close in prayer after this. Let's take a look. That
4: kid, every time I'm pulling out, he's right there. Man, And someone needs to talk to his parents if they're ever at home. What is up with the traffic today? It's always, every day, this intersection's always crowded. I hate pulling out of here. Give me some of these dumb roads. Oh, there's. (laughs) Okay, so I'm not even here. Right. (sighs) Great lady. The princess of parking. Sure, take the spot. Way to be considerate. Oh kidding me unbelievable oh thank you man
2: uh,
4: right about time let's see what do i want uh, yeah could i add a cookie to that order yeah no problem yeah uh no problem only guy in the world i'm sure you need your cookie the world your oyster and he's serving your yeah. cookies Thanks, thank, thank you so much uh-huh what can i get for you uh yeah i'll have a tall decaf macchiato yeah sure no problem 3.85 And uh, it might take a few minutes here. We've got quite a line, obviously, and thanks for your patience. Great. Yeah, (laughs) great. Great for me, waiting again. Unbelievable. What? What is... The world oh uh, uh. what What am I supposed to do how can I how can I do anything about that C- can I even help with that I don't you're copy sir oh. I-, I can't I can't take this anymore I gotta get out of here
1: hey watch
4: Buddy, come here.
0: Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall to give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's His standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that's the same thing. Uh, It's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven On your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what do we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey God, let me in. I'm I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus, so that we can now have a relationship with God, both here and now, and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him, and disqualified us That disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, The gavel's been passed. The judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty. Uh, You even admit you're guilty. And uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. God bless.